Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces. Uh, now, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet for this intro because ooh, this episode is a doozy and I can't wait for you guys to listen to this one. Um, my intro, I actually wanted to share a little bit of feedback that we got about some recent coverage uh, that we did. It uh, clearly resonated with one of our followers so much that she sent me this message. I wanted to share it with you. It made me feel really good. It made our team feel really good about all the things that we're trying to achieve uh, within triathlon, uh, but within sport in general, I guess, as well. Okay, here we go. I went and smashed a 10K run yesterday, not because I was making the most of my one hour, just a sidebar here. She is in Melbourne, uh, and during that time in lockdown, we're only allowed outside for one hour's worth of exercise. All right, back to the message. Um, Not because it was sunny, not because it makes me healthy or happy uh, ish running is my least favorite and sane not because i felt i should not because it was on my program it's true it has all of those effects but no the reason i ran yesterday was because i wanted to i was inspired by your coverage i was reminded that we will race again we might not know when yet nor what it will look like but when it happens i'm going to be there and i'm going to be ready to race I didn't even think I cared that much about the race yesterday, but I think your coverage meant that it was just so much more than a race. Thank you so much. I know how hectic it was, but it was so worth it for so many different people in so many different ways. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. Um, I think, I actually think uh, this woman is our first age grouper or amateur triathlete on the podcast, but she is the epitome of badassery. I am stoked uh, to welcome it to the podcast for the first time, Colonel Yvonne Spencer. Welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> what an amazing introduction. <laughs> I've been so excited about this chat because everything I've seen about you, whether it be on social media, whether it be other interviews, uh, the the article that we did with you, you can just tell that you are this ball of energy and badassery and, and all the things that I, I love. So I've been super excited to chat to you. Well, I've been looking forward to this as well, uh, just having another conversation with one of the gals. <laughs> um, so uh, let's let's go. <laughs> All right. Let let me start with some really sort of probably very obvious to a lot of people, but not so obvious to me, particularly because I don't live in the US. But when when you are introduced, uh, do I are we supposed to say Colonel Yvonne Spencer? Like you know, like you say with Doctor, you know, Doctor um, Samantha Jones, what have you, you've got to say doctor as opposed to Mrs. Is that the same with you? Are we supposed to say Colonel? Is that the correct thing to do? Yes, it is the same. Um, okay. Yes. (laughs) Talk me through, talk me through what exactly is a Colonel in the, in the air force. Is that right? Yes. Yes. The United States air force. So the, uh, Colonel is the grade of O six, so that's officer, the, the sixth level, if you will. And it's the last rank you get before you step into the, the general zone, uh, which are the folks that walk around with the stars on their shoulders. 
So in the United States Air Force, there's approximately 64,000 or so officers. And there are um, around, I'd say, 3,500 colonels, which is the rank that I am. And of those 3,500 colonels, there's approximately 350 something um, that look like we, me, which means uh, 350 something African American colonels. And of that subset, there are 67 female black colonels in the United States Air Force. So uh, I'm, I'm part of 0.1% when it comes to, our, to the Air Force. You, like, you could probably almost reel off all of those uh, African-American women by name. That's how small the number is. <laughs> Basically. And it shouldn't be like that, but but it is right now. So one of my goals, uh, part of you know, my plan, part of my building blocks is to make sure that I am bringing along other officers to fill my shoes when it's time for me to say uh, farewell. Do you know, there's a couple of things you just said in that sentence that I love. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is when you said that's how it is right now, I think the key is right now. That's a very obvious statement that you you yourself are trying to change that. Uh, and then the second thing I like is that you said you're trying to bring others along with you. And I feel like that is such an important thing to recognise when you're trying to make a difference, particularly in uh, equality and, and racial diversity. Absolutely. Um, when I was at the uh, Outspoken, I made a comment that uh, if you are the first, you should make sure that you're not the last. Ooh. And that's that's key because sometimes we forget that, right? We're, we're, mm. we're climbing and we're doing all the right things. We're meeting the right people. We're, we're shaking it up, but we're not bringing along others to start building their seats at the table for whenever we get up and to make that space for them. And so I think that that's so critically important in any endeavor that you're doing, whether it's on the on the athletic field, in your professional setting, even in your personal lives, as we are embarking upon small businesses and, and just creating your own culture. Yeah, there's there's such a um, mentality to to not share or to to keep these things to ourselves, and I just. Um, I just I just don't understand it. It doesn't make sense because what we what we're doing right now isn't isn't for right now. It it is for the future. You know, everything that I'm doing, you know, we not we might not see a change whatever that change we're trying to in, implement is. We might not see that today or tomorrow, but guaranteed it starts this flow on effect. Um and if you don't recognize that then all the work that you're doing kind of you know, it gets pushed back again. It's uh, it's just such an important part of the step when you're trying to create a bit of a movement, I believe. Absolutely. I think one of the, the challenges that we have as women, and of course, I don't have any science to back this up, but we, <laughs> uh, science. Science. <laughs> we tend to be so competitive with one another um, as mm-hmm. if we're all vying for that I don't know, one lofty male that we're supposed to, you know, link up with and have children or something like that. But it's, <laughs> it's driven in us to just be this competitive, to look at another sister and be like, oh, well, she's trying to take what's mine. Mm. And I, I don't think that that's right. Um, I think that if you see something in someone else, that you should try and, and, and nurture that and support that woman. 
you know, you'll mm. see the, the little quotes is, you know, it's it's okay to tell a sister when her crown is tilted instead of <laughs> correcting it in front of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? You 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 go behind and you say, hey, sis, I, I saw this. I saw that. This is how you're being perceived. This is what I think might help you and, and try to build her up in that manner. Absolutely. Could not agree more. I mean, I can't relate to to crowns it's not my thing uh, but i understand you know if someone wanted to fix my my cap totally yeah, get yeah. it yeah <laughs> well, so, so here's an example that you might be able to relate to or maybe not or maybe it's just me so in one of my um uh iron man events i decided that i was going to wear a new helmet and it was a helmet that my coach brought me to wear and i I tried it on the day before. I, I knew which way it was supposed to go on. But for some reason, when I got into T2, I mean, T1, I put that damn helmet on backwards. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going through transition and people are looking at me and folks are pointing and, you know, but, you know, one of my girlfriends, she she took a picture of it just so I could always remain humble. But, you know, <laughs> one of the guys in transition he just said, hey, I'll hold your bike while you fix your helmet, <laughs> you know? So oh. instead of just pointing and laughing and me like, oh, that sucks to be her, you know, <laughs> he helped me adjust my helmet, if you will, and make sure it was all correctly because I look like a straight up alien. It was- I oh, love it. Yeah, and I love that picture of myself because it just, it just keeps me humble and I show that to other newbies to let them know that it's okay to make mistakes. You know, even someone that you think, has it together, has put her damn helmet on backwards and almost got through transition like that. So yeah, it's an awesome photo. I love it. Mate, we've all, I mean, I've been working in this industry for quite some time and uh, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows the stories and the drums that I've had with DI2, the electronic shifting and how I've traveled to Germany to do Challenge Rot and the first time I did it, I didn't charge my battery, oh. so the battery ran out. And then the second time I charged it but forgot to put the battery on the bike. So, <laughs> mate, and I'm meant to be some kind of expert in the world of triathlon. Yeah. So, you yeah. are. <laughs> I, you know, We're all human, I, right? These things happen. <laughs> and the key is how do you bounce back from it? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and hey, if other people can learn from our stupidity, then I'm all for it. I'm happy to be the class clown as long as other people are learning from me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to laugh at yourself, right? Do you know what? Laughing. That is, it's so true. And that is kind of my motto that I take the piss. If I say take the piss, does is that just an Australian saying or do you know what I mean by that? I do not know what that means. Brilliant. Sure, again. Take the pig. Ta- <laughs> <laughs> I misunderstood it. <laughs> <laughs> my accent. <laughs> um, I love it. Take, this is one of my favourite things about talking to people across the globe because, the, you know, all of these colloquialisms, I can't even say the word properly, you just don't realise you're saying them because it's so ingrained in your culture and your language that other people across the globe are like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> um, I said take the piss, which is um, like uh, you're taking the mickey or you're um, making a joke of something. But if you take the piss out of yourself, you're you're laughing at yourself before anyone else does. That's my motto yeah. is, yeah. So I like it, that. 
yeah, take the piss. It's very Australian, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Uh, but yes, that's definitely my kind of motto is, uh, I laugh at myself before anyone else does. And I feel like that just, it drowns out the nastiness and we can all laugh together instead of at people, you know? (laughs) That's a very good point. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. Why not? Um, so I would like to go back with you, um, because, and we, we're going to hopefully cover all this, but you're clearly a mover, a shaker, a leader, a disruptor, um, a high, this ball of energy. But I want to know, back, like, when did you realise that that was the kind of person that you were? Like, when you when you first got into the Air Force, was it the reason you got into the Air Force? Like, when do you, do you remember a point in time when you said, this is how I'm going to live my life? I do not know that point. I it could honestly, be several times. <laughs> I mm. honestly believe that things things happened, and of course, I probably you know led them to happen. But things happened, and I was able to capitalize on those opportunities. Sure. Um, when I was growing up, so I grew up in. Are you all familiar with projects like lower income housing? Uh, of well, yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess of the 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 idea or the concept, that's not even the right word. But yes, I've heard of that. Okay. So yeah. I, I grew up um, in that that type of environment um, right. where I was, you know, raised by mom, dad, you know, and uh, a village as well. But mm. I had parents and I had a village that supported me that essentially encouraged me and allowed me to do whatever I wanted to do. And not in a, I was a brat kind of way, but, um, you know, I participated in a gifted and talented. I, you know, went to these academic games. I played the clarinet. I did cheerleading. I mean, whatever it is that I saw a drive to do, my parents, my support network, they were there supporting that. And so I never understood what no meant. (laughs) <laughs> love it. <laughs> I mean, if someone told me no, I just looked at it like, what, huh? I don't understand why I can't do that. Yeah. Challenge accepted. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Well, watch this because I yeah. I believe I can do this. And so I'm just going to go ahead and make this happen. And I'm going to let you watch <laughs> as I do it. Um, it. And so that has been happening to me time in and, and time out at different junctures in my, in my life and in my career where people based upon the package that I'm wrapped in had a different perception of me and what I was bringing to the fight. And once I showed them something different, they had to say to themselves, well, damn, I guess she can do it. Well, maybe I should just get out of her way if I can't, you know, help support her and where she wants to go. Yeah. Right. So and I don't you, know if that answered your question, but I just. I, no, it, it does. And I feel like it leads into so many other questions. And um, and please, and I, we sort of said this before we hit record, I, I will ask what might appear to be stupid questions, but I feel like it's, or not stupid, but maybe uncomfortable questions. Um, but when you say you grew up in the projects, I assume that there's, you know, and this is a big assumption that, those opportunities aren't as freely available to someone who's growing up in the projects as to someone who grows up in, 
you know, let's just say middle class, um, if that's the right sort of terminology in, in the yes. US. Um, so, and I love that you say your your family and your village just allowed you to chase those opportunities. But how how did you find them when I I assume they're just not so readily available? Well, oh, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> not, a, not a stupid question then. <laughs> Here we go. So uh, I grew up in the project, so that was lower income. Um, mm-hmm. But I had a father that was willing to take um, different jobs, take, you know, had opportunities for promotion to get us out of that setting. Right. And so then we moved into what you would term the, the middle class. And um, so when I was growing up, it was predominantly black. And in that neighborhood that I was in, you actually had a, a white side of town and a black side of town. Right. And what's interesting is that the pool was on the white side of town, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> no, digress a lot. This is what this talk is all about. Um, yeah. So when you talk about some of the, the barriers, I mean, I, me and my family, we barely ever went to that pool. Mm. Um, no one in my family knew how to swim. So, you know, there was no way that they were going to let me go to the white side of town to swim. Um, when I moved into the middle class neighborhood, if you will, I was the only African American, like in my elementary school, other than me and my brother. Wow! And uh, my neighbors across the street had an above ground pool, and you know that's where I had my first touch of thinking I could swim, but I really couldn't because it was only four foot. But you, really, <laughs> you really couldn't tell me anything, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I will swim in this bathtub and you cannot stop me. I remember my mom to this day say, Bree, well, that's my nickname. You don't know how to swim. I was like, yes, I do, mom. I was swimming all day over at Carrie's house. And she just (laughs) shook her head and was like, okay, you know how to swim. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, love it. But apparently I was very headstrong. Now that I tell that story, maybe that's some of the reflection of it. But uh, (laughs) But so my my dad, you know, and him moving provided me another opportunity. So when I went to this elementary school as only African-American, they I had to be tested. Right. Um, And so I I tested high. So I got put into this gifted and talented program where I was set aside from the other students to do special things, special projects. Um, And then we moved again because my dad got another promotion and I moved into a place that was almost 50 50 split of, you know, white and black folks. And um, that set me up because it was a very good school system for other opportunities that I jumped into because it was something I was interested in. And uh, it went on from there. And I, I think that I began with my leadership skills, if you will, when I participated in the junior reserve officer training corps in the high school. And so it's a, it's like a little military type organization. Yeah. Um, and I, I started there and people, they, they followed me. Like I somehow stepped into this leadership role and people like to be around me and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying for what, it, there's something that, I was doing something I was saying, and they were drawn uh, to my my leadership style at the time, and that just that just propelled me to go to the academy, and 
Next thing I knew, I'm 26 years in the Air Force. Wow. So <laughs> how old were you when you first got into that sort of a- academy? Um, what was I? I was nine, 19. Wow. 19, yes. So I went to the uh, the academy preparatory school, which is an extra year. And then um, after I finished that is when I received my appointment to the academy. Right. Yeah. So, so at 19, um, a time, I guess, when a lot of people have no idea who they are, and which is fine. You know, you're 19. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You've got many years to figure that out. But you really had a, um, a strong connection to, to, to being a leader at such a, well, I mean, I like to say it's quite a young age. It, it is now that you said it like that. I mean, mate, I'm still trying to find my way and grow up. And I'm, you know, I've got a kid and I'm 39, you know, so. You know, as as a leader, um, I have airmen that are under my command and they're around 19. And I have this expectation that they are like me, Mm. you know, whereas I found myself with a template. Mm. A template for the future, a template for success that I went into. I checked all the squares. I enjoyed my time. And voila, I'm out. And there's still another template for me to follow for progression. So if right. I go to certain schools, if I do well in certain positions, I'm getting that next promotion and I'm moving mm. on and I'm doing the same thing in a sense, but maybe at a larger scale with each echelon that I'm moving on. Mm. And so it clicks with me, but then I have my airmen that are, like you said, are 18, 19, 20. They're still trying to figure it out. And in my mm. brain, I'm strangling them because I'm thinking, why don't you have this figured out? Like, it's, here's, here's your template. And, you know, for whatever reason, mm. it's just a different, a different mindset. So with all that, being said, as a leader, how do you lead people with a different mindset to you? I think it's it's um, and, and the reason I ask that is because when I was at high school, uh, prim- one of the schools, can't remember primary school or high school, um, you know, you have these class votes about who's the best at this and and whatever. And I was captain on so many sports teams, and so I was given the best leader you know, for whatever it was that year. Mm-hmm. And I just always remember that. And I was like, yeah, I like I like that title. I like to think that I can, you know, lead people. But I, um, where I sort of started to struggle was people didn't have the same mindset as me, which was head down, bum up, work hard, train hard, you know, have a good work ethic, all that kind of stuff. But then I, as I got older, I realised that, no, not, not everyone thinks like that. So <laughs> then I really struggled to find ways to, communicate and to relate to those people because they didn't have the same mindset. So how, how have you tackled that? I have learned, and this is through trial and error, please believe me, is yeah. that um, in leadership, you have to meet people where they are. And right, so yeah. what, what made it, and you know, same with you in, in, in high school and your other endeavors, in the military, we have a, a mission. You know, there's things we need to get done in order to do what our nation is asking of us. That's what it all boils down to. And so you help people along the way to do their part, to do their lift. 
And they may, some may need more resources than the other. If they do, you find them the resources, you, you help them out, um, and you reinforce and encourage those things which you want to foster in others. Mm. So when, when I want to foster uh, my airmen to shoot for excellence, you know, status quo, the standard is not all right with us. Um, well, that's, that's what I tell them. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, I use the us. I'm like, that's not all right with us. You know, you, you set the bar and then you jump over it. And so I would reinforce it by special recognition of those people or those teams and those groups that were exceeding the standard. And mm-hmm. so that spoke to a large majority is like, okay, so she's walking the walk. She's talking to talk. These are the things that the boss likes and I want the boss to like me. I mean, it's just like a basic natural type human instinct. Um, yeah. And so folks were drawn to that piece. But you're still going to have the others that you're going to have to go a little bit deeper. But if you can take care of that 70% that is drawn to that excellence and that thing you're reinforcing and you're you're saying it in your key messages and your notes and every opportunity, um, the other 30% will come along. Well, maybe 20%. You're still going to have that 10% that's going to do their own thing. Yeah. And that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we have uh, disciplinary actions that take care of the other 10%. <laughs> so. And how, how much uh, can you shed light on those disciplinary actions? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, for, for example, um, in the military, it's zero tolerance for drugs. So even if you're in a state where it's authorized, I mean, not authorized, it's legal, it doesn't matter. You wear the uniform, you won't do drugs. You do drugs, you get caught, you're out. Yep. Um, You know, zero tolerance for um, sexual assault, um, discrimination, racist acts. Of course, it's zero tolerance, but you have to, you know, prove a lot of those things um, ahead of times. But... Mm. Those are the behaviors that we have said are not okay. And yeah. if you are found to have doing or participate in those behaviors, then there are disciplinary actions. You can, you know, you, you can be removed, separated from the service. You can uh, receive other, some other type of punishment. Uh, we could garnish your wages. I mean, there's a number of things that can be done if you uh, just can't find your way to conform to those basic standards. Yeah. And it's true that there's military law and I, I don't know how else to term it, but real law, correct? Like there's different. Yes. Rules? So yeah. for for example, um, a a moral law is uh, adultery is bad. Yeah. But it's actually in the uh, uh, in our laws, if you will, that adultery is another thing that can get you into trouble. Some type of disciplinary action can be taken if you are found guilty of committing adultery. Wow. (laughs) Yes. So our standards are are more stringent. And because that's the that's because of the faith and confidence that our nation has placed in us to to do the special things. Um, you know, to handle the billion dollar weapon systems, to handle the multi-million dollar contracts. Um, you have to know that these folks are above, you know, beyond reproach. 
yeah, okay. That may, I mean, that makes sense <laughs> to me. You know, if people are in charge of all these, uh, all these things, you you want to make sure that they have good morals. Yeah. And, but the, yeah. the tough part is that you can't when you get men and women at the age of eighteen or nineteen, mm. you cannot really teach them the morals. So because we are a reflection, you know, we're we're a subset of society. We we're getting what society is giving us. So right. what you see that's happening out there is happening in the military, but at a smaller scale. Mm. Yeah, and right. So, since we can't change completely, change your way of thinking, we have the disciplinary actions and the laws that will adjust your behaviors. Right. That, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It yeah. does. Yeah. It's really quite interesting when you break it down like that. That's it's I find that quite fascinating. Yeah, it makes it it makes it tough. Um, mm. you know, when I was living in Washington and um you know, marijuana is is legal and they actually gave discounts to military who wanted to purchase marijuana and we're thinking, well, oh. that that doesn't work. Like how does that even work? So <laughs> We had to work with the community to please don't post your signs right outside <laughs> our Air Force installations, you know, and, and, you know, we, we set up stings and yeah, it's, it's a mess. Wow. Yeah. I'm Joe Coombe and I am a Patreon of Witsup because back in the good old days when we used to read paper magazines, I wouldn't think twice about buying a triathlon magazine for $10. And then I'd be disappointed because there were so few women being covered in it. Steph came along and changed all that um, with Wits Up, with the podcast, with all the videos that she produces. And I just think it's well worth the money to actually pay for that service. Um, so you can become a Wits Up Patreon too. Go to patreon.com slash Wits Up or click on the link in the description of this episode. So do you live on... And I'm just going to throw some terms out there that I've learned from watching things like A Few Good Men and any kind, you know, Top Gun, all those kind of movies. <laughs> I, I mean, Hollywood's reality, right? That's. <laughs> but do you? So do you live on civilian soil? Is that even the right thing to say? It's so what, what you're asking is, so we have um, installations. Um, yeah. Air Force installations, Army, et cetera. And when I was in command, so I was a commander of a certain number of, of troops, mm -hmm. um, I lived on the installation, so inside the gates with the guard, yeah. with the weapons, and et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now that I am a part of a higher headquarters position, I'm living off the installation. So I'm in the local community. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we we have we have options, but the military does provide housing for um for our folks that choose to live on the installation. Right. Some okay. don't have a choice, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. So and then do you so do you work 9 to 5 or is it you know you're on call all the time? How does that work? Technically, we are on call 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there comes the serious voice. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but as far as office hours, it, it 
it varies. So in this particular job that I'm in, um, it's a, we'll call it a nine to five, mm-hmm. uh, but I could be called in on weekends for certain things that are happening. And um, when I was in other other assignments, I was basically on call all the time. So I could get calls at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning on, on a Wednesday. Right. Uh, so. Yeah. So what does your day-to-day look like right now, including, you know, fitting in triathlon training in amongst um, what I imagine is quite a busy role that you have with the Air Force? So my day-to-day is I, I get up, I but I usually tell Alexa to turn off the alarm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, off. So, um, do, do you like that. Alexa? It's 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 not a massive thing here in Australia yet, I don't think. But it seems pretty big in the states. Yeah, it's not it's not bad, but I always feel creepy like someone's yeah. always listening. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, but we use it for now. So um, yeah. I get up in the morning. I'll do some type of uh, training. So right now I'm cycling in the morning and I'm swimming in the evening. And so yeah. I get up in the morning. I'll do my training, have my breakfast. I'll log in to work, see what's going on, <laughs> have some meetings, do some phone calls. Um, yeah. And then in the evenings um, will be my, my second round of training if that's required. But since there's no races, I've kind of pulled back a little bit. Yeah. So some evenings are cocktail hour. Love it. Like right now? <laughs> I mean, it's it's 9.30 a.m. where I am, but it's definitely cocktail time where you are. Tell me I- you've got a cocktail. Absolutely. <laughs> ah, I can hear it. I heard the clink. Clink, clink, clink. <laughs> What's your cocktail of choice? Well, right now I am hooked on The Prisoner, which is a Ooh. red blend wine. Oh. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It sounds fancy. I also like that it's, you know, you're in the uh, Air Force and you're drinking Prisoner. You know, I feel like it's just got this sort of synergy going on there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. My alter ego or something. Yeah, yeah. The bad so, side. <laughs> what? Okay, so you're in all the movies that we watch. There's always issues between the Air Force versus the Navy versus the Army. Is is that a real thing? When they're all sort of, it, like, let's let's talk about the sporting world. Cyclists don't like triathletes. Triathletes think cyclists are a bit nuts. You know, there's always always these little sort of battles between the sports. Is that the same with Air Force versus Navy and everything? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the running jokes, and especially whenever our uh, our teams play, that's when the rivalries start, you know, coming out. And so the, the Air Force is seen as the, uh, uh, they, they call us the chair force. So apparently we're the the easiest uh, military branch. The army um, is, well, how do I say this? Well, the army is, you know, the original. So they're the the papa to everyone, but they're not seen as being that bright. The Marines are just, (laughs) no one wants to mess with the Marines because there's not a lot of them and they're pretty scary. I actually have a couple uh, uncles that are Marines. Um, And I don't really know what they say about the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they're out they're out in the water. You know, you don't, you don't hang out with them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so interesting. When one of the things that I wanted to do when I was growing up was join the Air Force and it was specific to the Air Force, but that may have been because I watched Top Gun the movie and and loved it. So <laughs> you know, I, Top Gun is actually Navy pilots. Oh, well, there you go. So <laughs> I'm learning everything um but there you go. 
they don't worry. That was one of our favorite movies at the Air Force Academy. Really? Yes, we watch Top Gun all the time. But those are Navy pilots. They're the ones that land on the ship. So right. <laughs> I love that yeah. I'm learning. I mean, I'm learning so many different things. Now I want to pull out all the movies that I've ever watched and get you to just dissect. You know what you need to do? There are YouTube channels where all they do is say they watch, um, you know, doctor shows like um, Grey's Anatomy and they then they get a surgeon on to dissect the actual show and say what's rubbish and what's real. And oh, my God. I do, do that anyway, which is so bad. Like I cannot watch military movies with anyone because I'm like, oh, my God, they would never allow that. You know? Oh, my God. We don't just sit around in our, our dress-up clothes every day at work, you know. But- <laughs> Like what are they doing? Like I don't wear my hat indoors. This is so crazy. So. I love it. It's like um, watching a cooking show with my husband, who's a chef, and it drives him insane. And I, I think it's entertaining. <laughs> I just watch him. So I would love to watch these movies with you because, well, a, I'd learn something, but I feel it would be very entertaining to watch you get fired up about it. <laughs> what's What's the worst movie that you've seen about um, any of the armed forces? in terms of being realistic? Oh, my God. Oh, well, I don't I don't know if it's how close it is to realistic, but Space Force. It's it's oh, not but, a movie, but it's a net, I think it's on Netflix. Yes, with Steve oh Carell. <laughs> it's, it just pokes fun at everything. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, I mean, I had higher expectations of that show. I thought it would be funnier, but maybe there's a lot of jokes and stuff that I'm missing as well. It, it could be. It could yeah. be. I, I saw a lot of jokes just because I know what, you know, the reality should look like. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go back and watch it now that I've I've got all this new knowledge in my arsenal to be able to go back and watch it after speaking with you. <laughs> um, okay. We'll get off movies, but I like to throw in some lighthearted stuff as well. Um, but I want to go back to at the very start of the conversation you spoke about, and I think it was about you said you're one of 63 or 67, a very small percentage of African-American women in the in the Air Force or in your role? No, in your in the Air Force. In, right? Well, in my role as a as a colonel. Yeah. So in that in that rank, yes. So in that position and obviously being a, a minority in that kind of position, do, have you felt like you've had to prove yourself tenfold? Um, and I'm just speaking from my own experience in, you know, working in a, a bit of a, a men's club type of thing. You always feel like you you might have the same the credentials as the, as the man standing next to you, but you have to prove yourself tenfold. Do you, have you felt like that throughout your career? I have. Yeah, I have, especially at the, um, it, it really started at the Air Force Academy. Because right. When I, you know, when I arrived there, you've got um, predominantly, you know, white males. And when you hear them say things like, well, she only got here because she's a mm. two, which means that she checked two boxes. And that's the only reason why, you know, she's here. Um, you know, or they use the term affirmative action or, or whatever they want to use to downplay um, how I got there, how I earned mm. my position, my appointment to the academy. I mean, mm. there were 1,100, uh, 1100 of us in my class. I think we graduated a little under 900 or so. And, you know, 
one of our responses to them was, well, okay, say that is the only reason why I got in. I know that it's not, but say that is the only reason. That's definitely not the reason that I'm still here. Yes. Great response. response. I mean, it is, the academics are challenging. I also played women's rugby. So I was an intercollegiate athlete. Um, So the things, it's it's no easy task for anyone. I watched a lot of my, a lot of my peers, a lot of my colleagues that I went to the prep school with and we went on to the academy. They, they couldn't, they couldn't hack it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and they left and that was you know part of my village but i had yeah. to to stay strong and to prove not only to the naysayers but to myself that i am i am capable of doing this and mm. that if i like you said if i take the piss out of myself <laughs> <laughs> yes we're all learning something here keep it moving you i had to laugh at myself i had to not take the folks that were yelling and screaming in my face or trying to, you know, make me pass off from pushups or whatever, I, I couldn't let them win. Mm. And so, you know, graduating there, it was sweet. And then once I graduated, folks saw me and again, they, I had to prove who I was. I had to prove that I was just as smart, if not smarter. Yeah. Um, I was just as capable, if not even more capable than you are. Um, and I did that over and over again, and it becomes fatiguing after oh, a while, yeah. Uh, because you're like, I just want to be myself. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't want to always put on the facade. And um, and and there was one role that I was in as a commander when I first got started, and I went overboard with the chip on my shoulder. And so much so that it was off-putting to those that I was leading. And I had to have a, um, you know, one of my my supervisors, a female, you know, she had risen through the ranks and she had to pull me aside and say, okay, let's talk. Right. <laughs> here's, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what you can do better. Um, and here's why I think it's important that you do better. And that really resonated with me because all up until that time. And that was, I had been in for 12, 13 years. When I got professional feedback, the, the men that were commanding me said, oh, you're great. You're fine. You're this, you're that. But no one was giving me any constructive mm. feedback to say, well, this is how you can improve. That's interesting. You know, and, and so that's why I take, you know, building, building that bench of women to come behind me. So, so very close to heart because Mm. no one else is going to really tell you what you need to see in the mirror in order to improve, because quite frankly, they don't care. Mm. They may not want to see you succeed. Yeah. It's almost like, let's just see her drown. Let's see her burn a little bit. Yeah. And, and I've been, I've been set up for failure before Mm. by, you know, by a leader uh, wow. Fortunately, I, I I reigned supreme over it, but yeah, you did. <laughs> but but that's because of relationships that I had built, um, mm. being genuine with my folks, being hardworking, putting my nose down, butt in the air, like you said, and uh, people above me saw that, mm. so that when I was set up for that failure, it turned into a huge success. Mm. 
I love it. I, I I'm such a big believer in in authenticity uh, and that sort of line of thinking. It, that might take you a little bit longer to get where you want to get because you're not willing to, you know, tread on other people to get where you need to get. But in the long term, you you'll stay where you are, uh, as in once you get once you achieve what you want to achieve, uh, right. and you'll you'll be there longer. And and the the right people, which sounds like what happened to you, the right people will recognize that. Right, and I mean, people, I think that they can see through you when you're not genuine. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it becomes it, it is so apparent in this is age of social media. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I have a T-shirt that says "Be who you post to be." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> because you see people and they're they're posting all these great things, and then you're looking, you're like, "Oh man, she did this, she did that," but you know, on the on the real, it's not anything like that picture is showing you. Um, yeah. She may have taken 50 shots in order to get that one perfect angle. Uh, totally. Um, so. My gosh, social media, hey, far oh, out. <laughs> I feel like social media comes up in every conversation we have on this <laughs> podcast, but it's just particularly right now when we are, um, you know, across the globe, we can't connect like we have in terms of travel uh, mm-hmm. right now. So social media is just skyrocketed more than what it it ever has before but uh i mean we're seeing i I haven't watched it yet but there's this uh, a uh, new netflix doco i think that's just come out called the social something or other um yeah social media experiment or something yeah something you're talking about yeah yeah and it just uh, i don't know i mean it started off as such a great way of connecting and now it's just this uh, mess of a false kind of world that so many people live in. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's really come out um, with what we're experiencing now with, with COVID. I mean, everyone's Mm. home, everyone's bored Mm. and um, you're, you're starting to see (laughs) more of who people really are. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, okay. So those people who are, that that leader, sorry, the woman who pulls you aside. Are you still in contact? Does she realize that that was probably quite a pivotal mo- uh, pivotal moment in your career? But I imagine in your life as well. Absolutely, and I've I've shared yeah. that that story um, in one of my where one of my ceremonies, and I made sure that she was there to hear that. And um, I, I use it quite often as as an example, right? Because I mean, I was. I was just headed on the wrong track, thinking I was doing the right thing, you know, mm-hmm. proving myself, you know, bravado, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And when I was actually doing the opposite and yeah. for her to just, you know, it took a lot, right? Because as humans, we don't like to tell the bad news. Absolutely. You know, and I know she could see in my eyes that I was upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was physically upset. Yeah. But when I took a moment, to just really think about what she said and the fact that it came from a good place, mm-hmm. it, it meant so much. And um, we had a nickname for her. We called her the queen of civil engineering. That's my career field. That's what I do. Yeah. And um, when I left that particular assignment, she she bought me a tiara. Huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> and a wand, and, and they have a little nameplate that says, you know, the new queen bee of civil engineering. And that was, oh. you know, the, the acceptance, like, okay, Vaughn, I, I told you what you needed to do. You made the changes. You're on the right path. Keep that going. Um, and I read from it, you know, pay it forward. Yeah. Um, that just so. gave me goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> I love shit like that. Yeah. It was, That's- it was, it was pretty touching, you know? Yeah. Isn't it interesting uh, that your first reaction is defensive? Just just immediately when someone talks to you like that, it it is because you're like, mm. what are they talking about? They don't know, and but mm. <laughs> you know, and maybe you're defensive mm. because, because you know, know. What, yeah. you know what you need to do, but you don't want to do it at that time. <laughs> Absolutely, but I, I think that's the big difference uh, with people is. Okay, get defensive. Be you know, have those feelings. What what have you? But then take that that moment to pause and actually listen, and then decide on on what to do. Um, you know, because people will come at you all the time, and if you don't agree with them, then sure, take that track. But with her, that time to breathe and and reflect and take it all in, yeah. and then follow that line of you know where she was going with it was the key to completely changing your. Your career, I, I just, I think, like that was such a tiny moment, you know. It was, it was pivotal, but pivotal. Good lord, is that a word? Let's make it a Let's word. Go. Totally, that's <laughs> going to be the title of this podcast. <laughs> so, but you know, I went on to another command position of a larger unit, and, you know, and then from that, it just propelled. But I always thought about that feedback. Yeah, and so yeah. I tried to to do the same with those that were in my command that I was reporting on. Mm-hmm. And then even whenever I went into my supervisors, I would just ask them some pointed questions about, you know, what is it that I'm doing that you think might be preventing me from being successful in mm-hmm. executing this mission? And so I didn't make it about me because it really wasn't about me. But if we're going to get to this end state, and mm-hmm. I'm the one that's supposed to get us there, then it behooves you to help me to be better for the people so we can get to where we need to go. Yeah. Um, and so that that resonates with leaders a lot more than mm-hmm. me saying, well, how can I be better? I want to be better. Yeah. I, I want to yeah. be better for the mission set. And and that was the honest to goodness truth. So to to quote another Tom Cruise movie, help me help you. That's there another <laughs> I don't know why I'm on Tom Cruise today. I, like I'm not even a fan of the person, but it just keeps popping up. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so with, with saying all of that, has there been, and I'm going to use your word, a pivotable moment <laughs> where where you think that you've had that kind of discussion with someone and they may have given you the feedback that you have really had a significant impact on their career or their life? Have you ever had that feedback? Yes, I have. And it will come in spurts. Right. Um, for example, I, I'll get a, an email or a phone call from someone that I previously commanded and they will tell me, you know, hey, ma'am, when you did X, Y, Z, I don't know if you knew it or not, but it affected me in this manner. Um, and so I want to say thank you. And to me, that... I mean, every time I get those, I just kind of 
you know, I get all mushy inside <laughs> because, you know, as, as a leader, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, you really mm-hmm. never know if you're doing the right things. My gosh. You know, you just, yep. there's, because everyone around you is going to tell you that the emperor is, you know, no one's going to tell the emperor that they're not wearing clothes. Right. That's such a great <laughs> story, that one. And I know what you're talking about. Right. So yep. you just never know. But when you have someone that takes the time to send that note, um, mm-hmm. it means a lot. Um, I had one airman that um, he uh, he told me that one day he was driving to go get dinner for his family and he saw me running. Mm-hmm. And so he turned around went back home, forgot to get dinner for his family, mm-hmm. and he put on his shoes and laced up. And his wife asked him, well, where are you going? And he said, well, Colonel Spencer is running, and I need to go running, so I'll be right back. So, oh my so gosh. <laughs> I didn't even know. He's like, well, I saw you running. I, I knew I needed to get out there and do something, so I just turned around, and you know, they ordered pizza, and I went out for my run. And So it's you just never know who's watching as yes. a leader. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know. That was just the funniest story to me. I was like, I wow. I love that though. I love that. I, some of the greatest times you can make a difference in someone's life is when you have no idea you've done it. And it, I, no I, idea. I, it's, so this is something that I've learned from my granddad and it's, and it's not, um, and I, I don't mean to compare these kind of stories to you being in such an incredible role as a leader uh, in the Air Force, but one of the most important lessons that I learned from my granddad, and he didn't sit down and teach me this, it's just from me watching and being madly in love with him, you know, my entire life, was he always went out of his way to compliment someone for the work that they were doing, the way that they did things. Um, and the last time he was here in Melbourne, um, we, we just went out for breakfast or whatever, and he chased down the waiter waitress sorry, and thanked her for her job um, because she was, she was, she was just doing a job, job, but she was friendly. And he just said, you are fantastic. I hope you have a great day. And the look on her face was like, no one had ever said anything nice to her in her life. And I was just like, wow. that was such an easy thing for him to say, but her day is com- just completely different ball game for her today. And I just, it is incredible what a nice thing or a smile or something Right. Can change can change someone's view of their world for for even if it's just for an hour. But it, I just think it's so important. I think my my uh, family is probably raised <laughs> the same way as your grandfather because that's yeah. that's where I got it from. You know, yeah. it, it's those little those little things mm. um, that you can do deliberately. A- absolutely, and it's funny. I didn't know that until I started doing this podcast because then these things come out and you start to realize who and what has shaped you throughout your entire life. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's always necessary to try and pinpoint these moments, but when they do sort of pop up, you're like, wow, okay. That's the <laughs> kind of influence that my granddad had on me and what a great influence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, awesome. like you say, you just, you never know who's watching. Um, I don't mean that in a creepy way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Close my blinds now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got Alexa listening to me. I got people looking at me outside. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm so aware that you are such a busy person. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I just I wanted to, to touch on Fast Chicks and uh, why you, you launched this 
the club and uh, where it's at, uh, who designed the kit because the kit I think just screams you because um, it's just bright and out there and just, I don't know, I, I don't know, it just seems to encaps- encapsulate your personality. And the kit looks great on everyone. Yeah? So, yeah. So um, Fast Chicks, yes. Yeah. It was Tell our a- listeners what it is. <laughs> Fast Chicks, um, <laughs> we are a national organization of women um, that are interested in being better versions of ourselves. And we do that through creating a safe space. We support one another. We have meetups. We have clinics. And we are stretched out around the U.S. We have a couple of folks in Canada and, and uh, throughout. So uh, we're, we're getting our name out there. Uh, but we are primarily triathlon. We started as just a fitness group back in 2015. Mm-hmm. And it was just a couple hundred folks. And it has, has grown um, since our first triathlon meetup in 2018 at the Rev3. We, we brought almost 40 women of color to that race. And uh, that's a significant amount at at a race. We we changed the look (laughs) of that race. (laughs) Wow. And we just had so much fun. Um, And we, you know, we gathered together at the start. We were, we were singing. Someone was playing music. We were dancing a little bit. We say our prayers. We support each other. And there were, women and men around, we call them our, our fast dude fans, but, um, oh, I love they that. Just, they looked on, they're like, Oh, I want to be a part of that. They wanted to be a part of that, that energy that we had, uh, because it was just like a family reunion. And so the, the following year we did the same thing at, um, uh, at tri AC, we brought nearly 40. Um, we had a couple more new folks, a, a lot of newbies that were doing that one. And again, another family setting. We we cheered for everyone uh, from start to finish. And this year, we had planned to bring even more to Rev Three. We had registered almost 120. Oh my god! I'm telling you, it was going to be so crazy. <laughs> it was it was basically going to be our race. I love it. <laughs> so oh, I, I told Eric, I'm like, dude, just change the name. Uh, ah. uh, we're going to be taking it over. <laughs> I love it. But you know, that's what we're about. So it's not a uh, a membership per se that you have to pay for. You you only have to pay for it by being um active and engaged um on our Facebook page, on our Instagram, uh showing us what you're about and supporting each other. We have women on there that are coaches, they're in they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're in the sports and nutrition field. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, we have clinics, we have people that have donated bikes whole wow. bikes for to women uh, and all they had to do was pay for shipping um so it's it's about uh first of all exposing more women of color to the sport mm-hmm. and um it's fast chicks is for everyone but predominantly we have a, a large number of women of color um so it's about ex- exposing them to the sport um also um giving them some type of empowerment you know, giving them the tools so that when they go to the local bike shop, you know, they, they have a little bit of education enough to be dangerous, <laughs> taking advantage of, you know, hey, ask, yeah. ask them this, ask them that, uh, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And then also through education, through setting up clinics and gatherings and um, uh, those types of events. So we're, 
we're, we're definitely getting getting larger. We have about a thousand followers on um, on Facebook. Yep. And uh, we 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 tend to be growing, but I want to keep it small enough such that we can have that safe space for us to have the discussions, to talk yep. about our ups and downs, and to support each other. Because we don't do that enough as women, I don't mm-hmm. think. So I want to do more of it. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. What's your experience been when you have um, exposed triathlon to to African-American women or, or black women or anyone who's getting involved in Fast Chicks? Ha, is it something that people um, really haven't been aware of or have had, you know, certain barriers to the sport that you're helping break down? What's been your, I guess, personal experience with getting more of them involved? They they haven't been aware of it until their right. adult years because you, yeah. don't, you don't see a lot of triathlons in um, – or triathletes, I would say, in the elementary schools or high schools. I mean, where where are they born? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where, do you, where do you breed them? And so <laughs> a lot of uh, just adults that are getting into it because oh, I want to do a one and done or, hey, my girlfriend is doing this. And I'm telling you, FOMO is a thing. The fear oh, of yeah. missing out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you build on that. And part of my exposure plan is to – get the women to the triathlon, to a race. So whether they're volunteering or if they want to be on a relay, just get there. And then once you get there and you tag on the energy and you see, oh, I could probably do that swim. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can figure out how to go to the Y and do this and and Mm -hmm. et cetera. And and know that Fast Chicks is going to be a network. I'm going to find you someone somewhere to help you with whatever it is you're struggling with. Yeah, <laughs> we we will figure it out. Um, and I like to remove excuses. I like to remove the barriers. Yeah. So if you say, "Hey, I don't have a bike," well, that's an excuse. I'm gonna get you a bike. <laughs> Give me a budget, or I'll get somebody to donate. Okay, there you go. Well, I don't have a swim cap that's big enough for my hair. Here, here's five different designers that do swim caps, and boom, there you go. Um, I don't have a kit. That, I mean, there's many yep. excuses that women have. Um, yeah. and, uh, Kristen from, uh, Betty design, she helped me design the, uh, the kit. Yeah. Uh, I She's essentially crazy. told her the, I told her the colors, you know, I told her about the group and uh, what, what we're all about. And she just threw that out there and I was like, okay, love it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, she's, she's amazing. Isn't she? She is. She is. And you yeah. know, I, and you know, I'm very supportive of her and her brand because she wants to do some of the same thing. Yeah. You know, she's, she's di- disruptive. Oh, um, we love and, a disruptor. Oh yeah. Yeah. In a good way. Right. Good trouble. Yeah, I like <laughs> Well, there you go. We can use it in a triathlon. And, <laughs> Currently, as we speak, I'm I'm in a a very disruptive mood and mode, and uh, but all for good, all for good. Well, I mean, we we have to do that. We've got to change the face of the races out there. Yeah. So whatever it is we need to do is it if it's sponsorships, if it's donations, if it's you know, hey, let's pick a couple of races and we're all going to do that race, oh or goodness. if it's doing our own race. Um, that's, oh. that's one of my, uh, one of my goals. And I, and I said it at outspoken mm-hmm. was that, uh, I'm, I'm going to put on a race. I don't know when, I don't know where, 
but that's going to happen. Um, well, my friend, you know that you have 100% our backing and support and whether it is us just helping to get volunteers there to help put on your events, we we are behind you 100%. However we can help, we are in. Awesome. I appreciate that. Absolutely. It means a lot. It means a lot, especially with uh, organizations like you all. This is this is huge. This is mm. huge. I look forward to doing more things, um, partnering with you all um, in the future. Please. we. Uh, I'm a massive fan of yours. And, um, yeah, I... I I want to make a difference and uh, I, I feel like we need people like you on our team and the same in reverse as well to to work together and, and actually make a difference. And one of the things, you know, just in terms of what you just said before, you're actually making a difference with each person. You're not just talking about stuff. One of the things I find frustrating with social media is pe- people find it so easy to bitch and moan about it. And okay, there's platforms there for that, whatever. But what are you actually doing to make a difference other than oh thinking about it? We, we are like sisters in I that thought. I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> I, nothing frustrates me more than just chatter with yes. no actions behind it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's <laughs> insane. Insane. Yeah. Exactly. Because I, I'll ask people all the time, okay, this doesn't look right to you. No, it doesn't. We need to change it. Okay. Well, what does right look like? Mm. And then you get crickets and yeah. no one, because they don't know. Well, let, let's talk about this. So we, we need to be more about the EDs. So we have work that is completed, finished, nothing that's working. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, we need past tense of actions that we've taken to make a difference. So don't talk about it. Let's be about it. Oh, this is this is an episode that is so full of quotes. The person that's going to pull together all the quotes is going to have enough ammunition for the next 12 months, I think, just from awesome. you alone. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, my goodness. Before I let you go, um, I have two questions that I always ask people at the end of the podcast episode. I'm going to fire them at you. Um, okay. It's nothing too hard, hopefully. Um, not classified, is it? Oh, hey, when someone's asked you <laughs> something, do you know the other show that I've watched a lot of is Scandal? Um, okay. Have you ever watched that? I have. I have. Oh, is Olivia Pope one of the greatest, like? Um, She's the best. Yeah, and Kerry, Kerry Washington, I mean, in my opinion, is just one of the best. I mean, she's a great actress, but I don't know. that When she talks, I just want to sit down and listen. That's how I feel about her. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, if someone asks you something that's classified, how how do you actually respond? This isn't what I ask everybody on the podcast, by the way. (laughs) Uh, No, no, people do ask certain questions. I I would just let them know I'm not at liberty to say. Oh, okay, I'm not at liberty to say. Mm -hmm. All right. Good to know. Because then if I tell them it's classified, then they know, you know, that it's, yeah. yeah. So I just say, I'm not at liberty to say. Excellent. That Even that it just scares me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. First question. What are you currently obsessed with? <laughs> oh, um, what am I obsessed with? 
Wow, that's a very good question. It is, isn't it? It could be oh, anything, little, okay. big, whatever. Really bad. I am obsessed with the law and order marathons that are happening like every day on TV. Dun, dun. <laughs> and I don't it? know why. I've seen all the episodes, but I always forget how they end. I love it. So yeah, law I mean, and order is my obsession. It's it's really big in the States, isn't it? I never got into it, but I think I would actually like it. Yes, you would. It's it's really good, especially the the older law and order and then the law and order criminal intent. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds even better. Yep. It does. I do love me some true crime. So <laughs> and and I feel like a lot of their stories can reflect real life events as well. So Yes, really should get onto it. Is that the one that goes do 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 do? Yes, gong gong <laughs> gong gong gong. <laughs> I will never know what that is, but it's yeah. What? It yeah, what instrument is that? I don't know if it's an instrument or they're like banging against a jail cell or something. I don't know. Oh, oh, I like that. Okay, mm. I'm going to listen to it. Um, okay, final question, and I actually don't even know the answer to this, but. Who is your favorite famous or celebrity Yvonne? <laughs> I don't think I know any. I would say you. <laughs> Me? No. Um, oh, that's oh, – I know I have one. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone out there. There has to be. There has to be. Ah, oh, gosh. There was a comedian, but now I can't remember her name. <laughs> Isn't that bad? So, so people say that I look like Nia Long. Oh, what? Hang on. Who's that? I'm just furiously Googling. Nia yeah. Long. Nia Long. Now, what was she? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, that's my doppelganger. If you will. <laughs> yep, I know. I know exactly who she is, and I can see her in um, in uh, different movies. I just can't remember. I've got a feeling that she was in a movie with Marty Martin Lawrence. Is that right? Maybe. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Um, all right, take that. I like it. Um, <laughs> every time, so when you write down Colonel Yvonne Spencer, you look at it and you look at the word Colonel. And your brain wants wants you to say it differently to how you actually say it because it's it's phonetically it's colonel like colonel, colonel yes <laughs> and it's one of those words that scares me when I write it down so I have to like not look at my piece of paper in front of me because every time I see it I want to say it wrong but I know that it's you know it's, <laughs> it's one of those words that that is setting you up to fail it is it is yep. I'm sorry about that. It's all your fault. <laughs> Have a word to the Air Force if you could. That'd be great. Well, Air Force and the Army. Yeah, I'll get. I'll get with them. Yeah, just add it to your list. Um, and if that could be complete, Ted, uh, <laughs> sooner rather than later, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> Colonel Yvonne Spencer, you are one incredible human being. Um, the world is much better for having you in it. The triathlon world is much better for having you in it as well. And I can't thank you enough for your time. Well, thank you. You sure do know how to make a girl feel good. <laughs> Either that or it's the second glass of whatever you're drinking <laughs> on right now. That could be. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, I really appreciate you guys. Really appreciate you.
let's find more ways to work together. I'd love it. Absolutely. All right. You take care and we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in. Hit subscribe, give us a rating, leave a comment. And don't forget, if you're not already a Wits Up Patreon member, sign up in the link in the description. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness. (laughs) 